Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week we're featuring a special talk from the 59th New York Film Festival with directors Maggie Gyllenhaal and Kira Kovalenko, moderated by NYFF Talks programmer Maddie Whittle and translated by Sasha Corboot. Roiling currents of familial and feminist rebellion connect two extraordinary films that were in the NYFF 59 lineup. In the spotlight selection, The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's electrifying directorial debut, a reluctant mother is haunted by a crisis in her past, while in main slate highlight Unclenching the Fists, the searing sophomore feature from Russia's Kira Kovalenko, a daughter strains against the domestic tyranny of her father. Featuring powerhouse performances and distinctive visual vocabularies, both films offer a layered yet urgent examination of the societal and patriarchal expectations that constrain their independent-minded protagonists. The special conversation brought the two directors together to discuss their respective forays into filmmaking, the process of realizing their vividly drawn yet enigmatic heroines, and the use of fiction to transcend an untenable status quo. NYFF Talks, we're presented by HBO. Let's go to the conversation. This Film at Lincoln Center episode is brought to you by Hive, for your consideration, best international feature. Winner of the World Cinema Grand Jury Prize, Directing Award, and Audience Award at Sundance, Near the Bosholi's Hive is based on the searing true story of Fadia Hoti and the woman of Krusha whose husbands went missing during the war in Kosovo as they started business together and struggle against their small village's patriarchal ways. The Hollywood Reporter calls it an engrossing, utterly classic tale of overcoming adversity. Now available in the Academy Screening Room. Thank you both so much for being here. Um, as I mentioned, I, I really love both of your films and am um, excited to explore them in connection, in dialogue with each other. I was hoping that to begin with, you could start by introducing us to your protagonists in these two films, um, the characters of Leda and Ada. They're very distinctive, but they have certain struggles and inner conflicts that I think speak to one another. So if you could just talk just about uh, your relationship to your protagonist uh, and, and just to give us a primer. My main heroine is a young girl. Она э, все время жила в Северной Осетии, и э, она включает в себя, э, как ни парадоксально это не было, э, не только свою историю, но и историю своего места. So my uh, protagonist, my lead uh, character is a young woman, and she's from, she was born in uh, North Ossetia, and uh, as contradictory as it may um, sound, uh, she incorporates the, the whole world that she lives in. И фраза Фолкнера о том, что человек это сумма его прошлого, очень сильно отражается в моей героине, и я думаю, что в главной героине фильма Меги тоже. Once uh, Faulkner uh, said uh, that uh, one human is the collection of his or her past, and I truly believe that this is what my uh, protagonist, my lead character, reflects. И она дочь, она сестра, и она несет на себе некий груз от связи со своей семьей. 
She's a daughter, uh, she's a sister, but she also carries a certain sense of uh, responsibility, but it's also a certain sense of uh, weight um, that um, uh, comes from her family. Um, yeah, I see how our protagonists are related. You know, we actually both just saw each other's movies um, over the past couple of days. Um, I think, yeah, I think my film also is about a woman who's holding her history and um, and maybe also a longer history of um, of women in the world. You know, there's sort of two Leda's and there's sort of two main characters. There's Olivia Coleman plays uh, Leda in present day, and then Jesse Buckley in the past. And um, I think it's about a very brave woman who is, um, I mean, I don't know exactly what it's about, but who, who's, <laughs> who's brave enough to, to make a change, you know, to look at something very, very difficult and, and grow from, from it. I think in both films, um, these women experience pressures that are exerted on them from their families, and those pressures suggest larger societal pressures, um, specifically around raising a family or, or caring for a family, even in, in the role of a daughter rather than a mother. Um, and um, I just wonder if you could talk about your approaches to these stories of family as sort of a, so almost a, a microcosm for, for a woman's place in the world, but um, just this sort of intimate story as a way of looking at a bigger story. Can I ask you something? Because I just watched this movie and I thought it was incredible and I've been like, disturbed by it all day. It's in relationship to what you're saying. And she said to us backstage, like, talk to each other. So um, I, I felt... I, I love so much uh, Lucretia Martel, the filmmaker, and something about your work in this film, very different, very different scope, very different style, but something about your film and La Cienega, also about a family, also made by a woman, really reminded me of each other in that, well, in lots of ways, but one way in particular, and I guess this audience hasn't seen this film, I don't know, but... So I don't want to give anything away, but there's there's an implication of like so much perversity and darkness inside this family that is never explicit. You know, you're like, is it me? Am I perverse and dark and broken? And that's why I think that there are these connections between these family members, or or is it actually part of the storytelling? That's the same thing Lucretia Martel makes me feel. Um, на самом деле я очень хотела показать свет, который есть в людях там. И несмотря на то, что история темная, это может так показаться, но на самом деле внутри очень много любви, слишком много. To be frank, my original idea was to show the light in one human being. And despite the fact that it could seem like a very dark story, very bleak. I truly believe that each human being bears 
a sense of love in their hearts, in their humanity. Просто в месте, в котором я родилась, семья это такое крепкое. Она так крепка, что она начинает давить, и эта любовь превращается в насилие. It's just the thing is, uh, in a place where I was born, in a region I was born, uh, the family ties are so strong that at some point it's just become a pure pressure. В какой-то степени в вашем фильме тоже есть это насилие любовью. And at some point in your film, there is this sense of violence in that in that bond. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's similar, actually. In my film, I also wanted to show the, like, the light inside of the darkest parts of us. I think both films um, sort of deal with ideas of entrapment and escape and, and being, being caught up in something and looking to get out of it. And the shame that comes with that, the shame of seeking to escape from a kind of entrapment that comes from your own family, from the people you love. Um, and I, I, I'm interested in, uh, with The Lost Daughter, how it's a film that happens sort of post-escape, and it's a woman reckoning with the choices that she had to make. And um, was that... Deal, creating a character with such sort of a complicated kind of shame. Uh, can you talk about that a bit? And how, how maybe how it's been received, how, how audiences receive this character who has done something you know, that society might deem shameful? Well, yeah, I think for a mother, um, abandonment is like the most aberrant, the most transgressive, or one of the most transgressive things that you can do, um, and yet I think if we're honest, it's a part of every mother's fantasy life. Like maybe not to leave for three years like my character does, but sometimes to imagine walking out the door, at least having some space of your own, which at certain times of motherhood you know, your children are sucking on you. And there's a scene actually I was thinking about because I was been away from my kids a little bit who are older than the children in the movie now, uh, where she comes home and they like literally tackle her to the ground. They like pull her down to the ground, which is, you know, both an image of love and intense pleasure and also like oppression, you know? I mean, it's both. And I think, I guess, that, um, I don't know, I think, you know, talking about the oppression of family, I think sometimes things have to die in order for new things to be born. You know, I think, um, I don't know, I, I was thinking about how in the book of The Lost Daughter, the the, the, the line that it ends with is the exact opposite of the line that the film ends with. And um, I'm thinking about your movie too, where, you know, in a way it's an escape and a kind of a death. Like the father is literally, you know, clenched around his daughter. Um, and I couldn't understand when I was doing the adaptation 
as much as I respected Ferrante so much, I knew she was my guiding light. How could she end that way, saying, I'm dead? As it, it ends, the book ends with her saying, I'm dead, but I'm fine. And the movie ends with her saying, I'm alive. But I only realized later, Ferrante gave me her blessing on that line. And I still was like, what, she, what did she mean? And I think she meant a kind of small death, like a kind of death in order to find a different kind of life. And so I think even though, yeah, there's an escape in my film early on, it's not until the end, really, that she actually becomes something new, actually finds a kind of freedom. I think uh, in, in both films, um, the, the sort of possibility of escape comes across as is very destructive and, and violent even. Um, and in Unclenching the Fists, there's sort of the, the, the threat of that violence looming over the film. Was that, did you see, did you see that as integral to the, the shape of the story, that sort of threat of destruction? Я просто шла к финалу, о котором я думала, что он одновременно должен быть и победой, и поражением. When I was thinking about the finale, the, the end of the film, I, I thought it has to be both the winning and the defeat at the same time. С одной стороны, кажется, что происходит рождение героини именно в этот момент, в финале. When we're talking about the lead character, on one hand, we see the birth of new personality, of new person. Но оно происходит за счет самопожертвования. But at the same time, it uh, gives the birth from a sacrifice. It comes from a sacrifice. Единственное, что может сохранить ее личность. Um, and they're both so masterfully performed, um, the roles of Ara and Leda. And I, um, it, I just am curious about the the thinking that goes into how do you how do you build a performance like that from the script up of of opacity and yet also expressiveness. Okay. Uh, well, I I as an actress, I. I'm looking for scripts where nothing is literal, where like almost nothing is articulated. Uh, yeah, because then you're having a conversation up here and what's actually happening are a hundred thousand things down here and you can listen on whatever level you want to listen on and you can, you can express yourself as an actor then however works for you, which I think is the way, at least for, for me, to interesting work as an actor. So as a writer, I also was looking for, that's what I was trying to offer to my actors, space to express themselves uh, how they want to, you know, but um, uh, I mean, you know, I guess I was always looking also for how much scaffolding I could take out you know, how much space there could be. 
Um, and I think that attracts good actors. I think good actors want to be in that realm and want to work that way. Um, and then every once in a while, there's something like extremely literal, which you're allowed. I don't mean literary. I mean like just a truth said out loud. Like I love in that scene with Ed Harris and and um, Olivia Coleman. You know when they talk about being mean. That's this. That's a piece I'm really proud of, where it's like a combination of nothing explicitly said and then some very explicit truth said out loud. Or even this line that that's in the book that I, you know, is just direct steal from Ferrante of um, I'm an unnatural mother. Um, you know, that was a line that quite a few people in the script told me to take out. And... Uh, and I think it wasn't in keeping with a lot of the rest of the writing, which was much less literal. Um, and I and the reason that they told me to take out to take it out was because they felt it was too literary. And I thought, no, I'm going to find an actress who can make that line work. I mean, there's probably five. <laughs> um, I'm glad you left it in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she like makes it a fucking. I mean, it's and again, then it's not literal anymore anyway because it means a hundred thousand things underneath it, and there's space for that. Um, the only other thing I would say about writing is like coming from an an acting um, background. Um, I think the i the 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 muscle of doing an adaptation, taking a piece of text that exists already and looking for the core of truth in it. Like why is this scene necessary or is it necessary to be in this film? What is the event that takes place in it that's without which this story could not continue um, is the same exact thing that you do as an actor. And you either do it with an incredible text like Carol Churchill where there's no scaffolding or you can do it with a piece of shit too. <laughs> and you can just say, I'm going to make, I'm going to decide that the event of this scene is two people ordering a sandwich at a deli counter, but I'm going to decide that it's a seduction or I'm going to decide that it's an apology and I'm going to, you know, almost directorially put it, make it mean something. It's the same thing as doing an adaptation, I think, or very similar. Я хотела сказать, что для меня работа актера в вашем фильме была просто безукоризненна. I would like to say that the work with the actors in your film was absolutely immaculate. Я постоянно думала, как как вы добились этого. I just couldn't help myself by thinking, how did you achieve it? Я постоянно видела внутренний монолог. I was constantly seeing an internal monologue in one or another actor. Я не знаю, как, как это делается настолько тонко. I don't understand how you're doing it. So, so. Wait, okay, and I want to say about your film that the writing, just in terms of what we were just talking about, the writing in your film, and this is also why I, I related to Lucretia Martel, that nothing is explicit ever. It's, it's exactly what I look for as an actress. Like, there's... Especially that scene my, when I really clicked into the movie where I was the scene between the older brother and the sister when they get outside. And you think, now I'm going to get some information. <laughs> and, then, and then instead, it's just emotional information. That's all you get. And, you're, and it just feeds into your hunger for 
what is going on with these people? Now I feel like I have to answer the question. На самом деле моя история родилась из одной единственной фразы, которую я прочитала в романе Фолкнера. Um, to be honest, uh, the whole movie was born from one uh, single statement that I read from Faulkner. Она звучит так: мало кто может выдержать рабство, но никто не может выдержать свободы. And uh, the phrase is: there are just a few people who can survive or surpass slavery, but no one can handle freedom. И после я нашла место, место съемок. Я ходила по этому городу, и я думала о том, что это место, в котором можно сохранить человека, спрятать. И еще я в то время наткнулась на дагестанский проект. Он называется «Письма девочек своим отцам». And at the same time, I came across one uh, project from Dagestan that's called uh, Letters of Daughters to Their Fathers. Они анонимно пишут то, о чем они не могут поговорить со своими отцами. Anonymously, they are writing things that they cannot discuss with their fathers. Так же, как я не могла поговорить uh, с отцом, и um, множество тем просто никогда не обсуждается в семье. And that exactly what happened you know, with me, the... Topics that I could never discuss with my father that we never talked about. И из этого всего рождалась история, в которой, в которой есть травма людей. And that was the root of the story, the, the search for the trauma. И это раненая семья, которая не может избавиться от своей раны. And that wounded family that doesn't know how to heal it, how to get rid of that wound. И получилось, что они все очень очень много скрывают себя и и не могут проявлять своей любви. And as a result of that wound, they hide so many things that they are incapable of expressing love. Но что касается, как, как ищется, um, как, как идет поиск главной героини. Search, uh, uh, я очень хорошо ее знала, когда писала. Ну, я ее видела заранее очень точно. Exactly И мне оставалось uh, только... Настолько детально работать с актрисой, что мы искали ее взгляд, ее походку. Но самое важное было, был взгляд главной героини. So actress, so все, думаю, я слишком много говорю уже. 
I think I'm talking too much. No, no. <laughs> but I think that's really interesting because I have such a different experience. Like I, and I think my lead character, I didn't know exactly who she was or where exactly she was going, but I knew I was really compelled to find out. And so I felt like almost with Olivia and with Jesse, you know, who's the younger Leda, that we were kind of together in dialogue, figuring it out all the time and like gathering information as we went along about who she was. I'm sure you were doing that too. Did you guys rehearse? No. No, I don't think we, I'm just trying to think if that's true. Uh, I mean, Olivia didn't like to rehearse. Uh, me too, as an actress. With my DP, I rehearsed. I mean, with my DP, we, and you obviously had a really, really interesting DP, me too. And we did a ton of prep. So that ultimately we were, it was like jazz when we were on set and we could see where our actors went. Uh, I'm trying to think if I rehearsed with anybody. You know, they just wanted to kind of hang out and <laughs> feel connected to me, I think, and to each other. Я спросила, потому что мне стало интересно, вы говорите про поиск. Это значит, это движение. То есть, но и главная героиня, и стиль фильма они целостные. Я не вижу, что было какое-то развитие, этот путь, как будто все было сделано уже заранее. The reason I'm asking because the search itself is it's it's a movement, yeah. and when I look at your film, like uh, I couldn't believe that there was no background work done before. It feels like it's been rehearsed. No, I don't know. I think my actors, I I I am the same as an actress. I don't like to rehearse. You know, I mean, you're Russian, you probably know what he really said, but supposedly, <laughs> supposedly Stanislavski said when he, when he came here to do um, something on Broadway at one point, you know, they said, like, how much, how much rehearsal do you need? And he said, uh, six months. And they were like, no. And then he said, okay, so then six days. Because, because supposedly, because that feeling of, like, we're here together. Who are you? Okay, we better just throw our hearts open because we have two minutes to make a love affair. You know, like, that was more um, our vibe with really excellent seasoned... I mean, I'll, t I'll say this about rehearsal. My husband plays the professor in the movie, the professor who she has the affair with. And I've lived with my husband for many years, and I... I think he would say he didn't rehearse, but um, <laughs> but we're in Greece, right, with our kids, and we're in quarantine for two weeks, and all of a sudden my husband, who's like very, very intelligent, but can never finish a book, reads like 15 books. He listens to uh, me read Anna Karenina. He starts like reading, seeing um, 
lectures of Kurt Vonnegut talking about literature. He just starts reading and reading and reading and reading. And he shows me this, uh, these Simone, um, Simone Weil quotes. And, you know, he's like, starts to become this character in my house. <laughs> it was hot. I mean, I was... <laughs> But I think in a way that's how they all kind of did it. And then what they wanted, I think, I mean, I'm an actress. I just was going in a lot of ways with what I want. I then want to be seen and to be loved and to be cared for. And, and some, some people, some of my actors were like, pretend like you're not seeing me. You know? <laughs> and the other ones were like, like, let's just look at me and hold me. And, you know, and that, it's almost like being a mom. It's like, okay, I'll do whatever you need. I got you, you know. <laughs> like, so that was how we did it. Просто я действительно много репетировала, просто потому что все мои герои не профессиональные актеры. Если бы у меня были такие актеры, наверное, мы бы не репетировали ничего. I think the, the, in my case, uh, I was working with a non-professional actor, so we had to rehearse. Yeah. I mean, if I worked with actors like yours, I would probably have, I didn't need her to But she was an actress, right? She was a student. She's in the second grade, in the second year of her. I mean, clearly school. she's an actress. And then I read that some of the other people were just not actors at all. Yeah, that's yeah, true. See, I can't even understand how you did that. They're all quite organic and natural, so it, it felt like a natural process for them. Yeah, but see, when people work with non-actors, I'm always like, um, I always feel almost like uh, it's, there are some people who do it so well, like you. But sometimes I think it's the same as like you go to the ballet and you watch people ballet dancing and you're like, I could kind of do that. <laughs> then you go and try and you're like, oh no. You know? <laughs> and, and yet, and, and I believe that. I believe actors have a craft. Like you can't just pick up the saxophone and play it. But you, I mean, I really especially loved her older brother. And he's just a guy, I guess. Uh, on Barets, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. Um, he works at the construction. Yeah, he was really great. Uh, Kira, was there any kind of, was it challenging to integrate trained actors with non-actors who, who perhaps were playing versions of themselves or, or uh, were they local? They were local to the, the area? На самом деле уровень актерского мастерства в таких небольших местах, как, где, как место, где я родилась или где я снимала, очень маленький. То есть все есть театральная школа, она слишком гиперболизированная, и поэтому у меня было ощущение, что все мои герои не профессионалы. It's really hard to find professional actors, and even though you go into the theater stu studio and the way they teach you, it's like over-exaggerated. So I was just working with the 
uh, real people trying to adapt them to the world. Hi, I'm Clinton Crute. And I'm Devika Girish. We're the editors of Film Comment. The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. I want to ask, uh, just pivoting a little, I want to ask you both about uh, place in your films and the setting, um, because I think uh, alongside this this idea of escaping psychologically, there's also um, sort of in, in The Lost Daughter, um, Leda is sort of on a getaway. She's away from home, away from her family, and that gives her space to interrogate her own past and, and um, have, a, have an experience that sheds new light on her past. Whereas in Unclenching the Fists, uh, Ada is, spends the entire movie in the place where she's presumably spent her entire life, and at the end there's, well, not to give anything away, but there's the question of will she escape? Will she get out of that place? And the sense of place in both films is very strong. So I just wonder if you could talk about um, how that informed your thinking about the characters and, and the prose. It just makes me think, actually, I went to see a BAM, that piece, Sun and Sea. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it doesn't feel like maybe you guys haven't seen it, but it was... Um, I went with my mom, who's right there, but um, it was this piece, I won't get too off topic, but um, it was this piece about, uh, it was like sand covered the entire theater floor, and uh, it was all these people very, very naturalistically just sitting on the beach, like, you know, doing whatever you do on the beach, and then every once in a while, someone would start singing, and they were singing um, like their unconscious mind. Um, and I do think there's something about being on the beach, you know, where your unconscious starts to be louder, or that's what happens to Leda. Um, the place in my film is really interesting because I, you know, it, it was an Italian book. Ferrante wrote it to take place in southern Italy. I adapted it originally to take place in like the eastern seaboard of the states, like kind of lobster rolls, um, yeah, boardwalk kind of thing. And I wanted it to be, I kind of imagined, I wanted it to be unnamed, but I wanted it to be like a gothic kind of Maine-like place. And then uh, we were getting ready to start prep and we were gonna shoot in New Jersey and then COVID happened and we kept it up thinking maybe New Jersey would work, although I always had a pit in my stomach about that. It didn't seem right, um, but they had a 35% tax incentive, and like it was like, <laughs> it was like the only way it was going to happen in a way. And then, then COVID happened, and I, it was one of the first things I did as a director. I was like, New Jersey is wrong. Um, and anyway, it's not going to work there. So... Um, then we thought about Nova Scotia, which felt like it could be what I was imagining, and I love Nova Scotia, but they didn't, really didn't want us 
They, they were not interested in us coming. And um, my producer suggested to me maybe we, uh, we could shoot it in the UK because the UK was getting kind of up and running again. And I thought, no, I can't because I, I, as an American woman, I can't make a movie about an English woman in England. I don't know what the bottles look like. I don't know what the, you know, I, I can't do that. Then somehow it just, like again from a place that really served me throughout the entire process of making it, which is my unconscious mind, out of that place came this idea, totally irrational, I think it could be Greece. And, um, and I don't know why, I just thought, well, I, could, I, I know the mind of a woman on vacation in Greece, I can imagine that. I don't need to know what the bottles look like there, you know? And, um, and then as soon as that happened, it was like unstoppable for us. There's a 40% tax incentive in Greece. <laughs> and there's a, there's a great film infrastructure. And, um, and in fact, it just slid into being Greece, of course, because the book is set in Southern Italy. And um, it's just right across the sea. And in fact, my production designer said to me at one point, because we'd been starting to think about you know, the States. And she said, "What one day you're going to turn to me on set and say, how could you ever have imagined this taking place anywhere other than here? And that is exactly what happened. Ну, я уже сказала, что я свое место нашла и поехала туда. Я пробыла там один день и просто наблюдала за людьми и за самим местом. И это... В моем случае это место, это и есть главная героиня. Она просто не знает об этом. So as I've been saying, I've been uh, scouting for a location, and once I once I found it, I just went for one day uh, to observe the surroundings, to watch the people, and somehow I realized that the my lead my lead character, my protagonist, is the place itself. Also, she's a part of it. И получается, что она хочет сбежать, но она бежит от себя самой. So it's an interesting. Um, idea when she wants to escape from the place, but she's the place herself. I want to leave time for audience questions, but I'm interested uh, to hear from both of you about whether you see your films as feminist, because I see both films as feminist um, without necessarily having the vocabulary to, to say why, um, but do you approach your work from sort of a consciously feminist uh, place. I, I have no problem at all saying that my film is feminist and I am a feminist and but I would say more accurately um, I think for so long I did not see my own experience accurately portrayed except for so rarely in film or in books, or in music, and I think it mangled me in some way. I still feel mangled, you know? I feel like I tried to fit myself into the representation of being a grown-up woman that I was being offered, and I didn't fit into it. And um, every once in a while, I would see something, or I would hear something, and I'd be like, Oh, that feels right. And um, so what I wanted to offer, and 
yeah, was, I guess, as honest um, an expression of a feminine experience in the world as I could. Ну, когда я писала историю, я не думала о социальном, я просто думала о человеческом. Но когда сейчас уже, когда фильм смотрят, и мне пишут свои истории девушки из Осетии, But now, when I started to get a feedback after people watch the movie and I get letters from women from Ossetia, я готова сказать, что я тысячу раз феминистка и просто потому что права женщины на Кавказе, ну их нет. Then I can proudly say I am a feminist because the women's rights in the Caucasus they simply do not exist. Поэтому я буду об этом говорить всегда. Ну, Осетия не самое сложное место. Все, наверное, знают, что происходит в Чечне. I mean, and your character has an actual mangled body. Yeah, that's a good uh, sign that her body does not belong to her. I want to open it up to the audience. Um, I have more questions, but I'm sure everyone does. So, um, see one right here. Well, the author, um, the author is anonymous. She, you know, she goes by the pen name Elena Ferrante, but she is, she wants to remain anonymous. Um, and so all of my interaction with her was through email and uh, just a few interactions, but all very cherished. Um, uh, okay, I'll, I'll try to say this quickly. So um, she, because I don't know who she is, And because every interaction I've had with her has been like kind of shockingly supportive. The first being that I petitioned her for the rights to the book and said I wanted to direct it and wanted to adapt it and gave her a little sense of at least what I knew about how I wanted to do it. And her response was, yes, you can have the rights, but this contract is void unless you direct it. Which was like a kind of, from the cosmos, uh, support you know then later she wrote a piece in the guardian she writes a weekly column in the guardian or she used to um just saying to me saying i'm doing an adaptation of her work although this is difficult for her she, she says she knows that in order for my piece of art to be successful that it has to become mine and that she can't meddle in it that she has to allow me to be free. And she said, if I were a man, she would not allow me that freedom. But because I'm a woman and an artist, she knows she has to. So, and, and then, like I said, I, 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 I think my script, my script is very different 
and the film is very different than the book, but they are absolutely in dialogue. And like I said before, in a kind of unconscious dialogue. And when she read the script with a very different ending with many changes, she totally gave me her blessing. So I have her being anonymous, and I wonder if this is what she wants as an author too. She can kind of be this fantasy wise woman in my mind that I can just hold there, you know, and, and she's never let me down so far. Well, she hasn't seen the film. Um, her publisher saw it in Venice and, and loved it and promised me that she would get Ferrante in touch with me as soon as she'd seen it. So she hasn't seen it yet. Well, I spoke a little about as how the acting really informed me as a writer. But then I was just thinking, um, you know, like about my actors and how, like, what a gift it was since I'm used to acting, taking the script and making it mine. But in this case, I had this other massive energy coming at me from these other people. So everything I imagined, you know, and put into the script and, and into, you know, my sense of the storytelling. And then on top of that, like Olivia Coleman's mind and heart and body and vulnerability and sense of story and her needs and Ed Harris's and Paul Mescal and Peter. And so then it becomes like, you know, instead of like 100% of something, you know, 10,000% of something. Um, you know, as a writer, I loved the alone space time. On, as, a, as an actor, so much of what you're doing is like, right now, it happens to be that everyone got their shit together and the camera's rolling, go! And you have to kind of stay in this like vulnerable place to be ready to jump in at any moment. And that's why people like help actors cross the street. You know, like, it, you know that they do that. They like put umbrellas over you and help you cross the street. And, like, because, because, because there are kind of in this dream-like state all the time. And it's trippy. Um, but as a writer, you have space, like you can go, all right, I know this is the next section I have to crack open, but I have to pick my kids up from school, then I have to make dinner, and it can be like knocking around in your mind the whole time, and then you're in the shower, <gasps> oh my God, I know what I want to do, you know, and, and then, and so I loved that space, and I loved not, the, not having that same kind of pressure, um, that was such a gift to me. And since we're speaking about writing as a solitary activity, I'm, I want to um, ask Kira uh, just a little bit to talk about the collaboration uh, in writing and clenching the fists, because um, I, I imagine that's a different, a different sort of equilibrium to, to uh, even though in a way adaptation is a kind of collaboration, you could say. But it, uh, I'm just curious, uh, what that you wrote it with a partner or. Мне очень сложно сказать, потому что у меня было два автора, и 
Я просила уйти одного, прийти другого, только потому что мне недостаточно было того, что привносится автор. Сейчас, мне кажется, очень мало идей у сценаристов. По крайней мере, в России очень слабая сценарная школа. Um, it's hard for me uh, to talk about uh, co-writing because I ended up having two and I had to um, uh, ask one to leave and the other one to come because uh, writers could not bring enough material. And unfortunately, if we're talking about in Russia, the school of screenwriting is, is not quite strong. Uh, у меня есть очень, у меня есть очень короткий ответ, потому что я считаю, что сила и слабость они не, противопос... ну, не противоположности. Я искала силу в слабости и уязвимости. I was looking, I was searching for strengths. In the place of weakness. Но этого недостаточно для того, чтобы изменить какую-то ситуацию на Кавказе. Я просто пытаюсь сейчас искать какие-то ответы, потому что я не понимаю, как я могу помочь. I think for two uh, films with, with sort of mysterious endings, maybe that's a good note to end on, because there's, there's an open-endedness to that, um, and we're out of time. So thank you both so much. Thank you. This Film at Lincoln Center episode is brought to you by Hive, for your consideration, best international feature. Winner of the World Cinema Grand Jury Prize, Directing Award, and Audience Award at Sundance, Blirtha Bosholi's Hive is based on the searing true story of Fadia Hoti and the woman of Krusha whose husbands went missing during the war in Kosovo, as they start a business together and struggle against their small village's patriarchal ways. The Hollywood Reporter calls it an engrossing, utterly classic tale of overcoming adversity. Now available in the Academy Screening Room.